you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of 2 Corinthians. We'll be in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Uh, normally we're in, um, over the last several weeks and over the next upcoming weeks, we're going to be in uh, the greatest week in history, but I figured with uh, something like this, like what we're experiencing today, um, let, let's just lean into that a little bit. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about uh, what's happening in the world. Um, there will uh, rarely be a time where the entire world just stops and pauses and is all thinking about the same things. And so um, we're just, we're going to delay uh, and um, potentially even if we're, we're back next week, who knows what's going to happen. Um, we're kind of on a week-to-week basis, as you can understand. Um, but we will potentially be back in uh, the greatest week in history. But I wanted today to just take a few minutes and talk about um, something directly from Scripture, from Second Corinthians chapter 6. And um, I, I don't know about you, but I hate flying. I, I hate flying. Um, am I the only one in this? Like, I'm terrified. Like, I get cold sweats. Like, I, I'm terrified of flying. And uh, I remember just a few years ago, it was um, 2015, and I was getting on a plane. I was flying to Houston, but it just so happened that it was around the time that we had the hundred-year flood. How many of you remember the hundred-year flood? You remember that? It was kind of very specific to South Carolina. If you are not a South Carolinian, you probably don't have any idea what I'm talking about. Um, but in, here in South Carolina, we had the hundred-year flood. Like, it was, it was crazy, right? It was almost a lot like this right now, like what we're experiencing, um, something that was kind of like a once-in-a-lifetime deal. And I remember that probably happened on like a Wednesday, and I was flying out on that Friday and I remember the day that we're going to the airport. Listen, there is water like everywhere. Even um, as we're going to the airport, there's water like all in the, uh, in the woods. Like everything is completely flooded. All of South Carolina underwater. And the clouds, even on the outside, I mean, it was still incredibly thick. It was still incredibly dark. There were clouds, I mean, just pressing in. And I remember being on the airplane like there's no way uh, we're going to break through these clouds. There's absolutely no way that we're going to break through these clouds that just felt like they were as low as the ceiling. And remember, like it's dark outside because of all the weather. There was, you know, kind of some thunderstorms that were happening later in the day. And here's what happened. As we're on the plane, as we're getting ready to break through the clouds, sure enough, the plane pushed through and then we got over on the other side of the clouds, and it was the most beautiful thing you'd ever seen in your entire life. Um, the sun was still there. The sun was still shining brightly. Through on the other side of the clouds, it was just as blue as it could be, like one of those moments you want to pull out your phone and take a picture. And I'll never forget that moment of, of just thinking and realizing that at 12,000 foot, on the other side of the clouds, that really nothing had changed but only my perspective. Nothing had changed. Underneath those clouds, it was still dark. Underneath those clouds, it was still about to rain just a few hours later. Underneath those clouds, it was still covered and drenched in water like a sponge. But the only thing that had changed was just my perspective. And I was on the other side, and I was seeing from another vantage point and I'll, I'll really probably never forget that and I'm gonna just tell you like it it seems like we're in a storm right now it seems like we're in something that 
um, really just kind of popped up overnight, if you're like me. Like, you're, you know, you've got your plans, you've got things going on, and then all of a sudden it's like, bam, like this is right at your front door overnight. And, um, you know, it, it's kind of an unprecedented time. Plans are up in the air. Things are changing. Like, you can't even watch a sports game right now unless you're into bowling. Um, you know, WWE is still on for those of you who might be interested. Um, maybe you are, maybe you aren't. This might be a good time for you to start enjoying some wrestling. Um, I do. Um, you know, you can't even get toilet paper in the store right now. Um, it's just a frantic time. It is a crazy time. Um, and life as we know it, it seems to kind of be on hold, right? It seems to be on hold. Like there's a pause in your daily activities. There's a pause in your life. There's a pause in your plans. And listen, I, I just want to say that as, as we as Christians think about this, it's very important for us to kind of note what's going on around us, to note the tone, to note the rhetoric. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, there's really about two different responses that we see right now in the world. And the one, uh, on the one hand, we, we see a lot of fear. Uh, we do see a lot of fear. And um, maybe, maybe you don't think that's real. I've talked to specific people that are very fearful. Um, if not about the virus, um, they're, they're fearful about what consequences the virus will have on their day-to-day, you know, getting medicine and getting groceries, different things like that. Um, our, our culturally is just naturally anxious. And so whenever something like this happens, it, it drives out the, the anxiety in us and it shows what's really underneath 99% of the time anyway. Uh, and, and so there's, there's a lot of fear right now. There's a lot of um, people that, that are fearful and don't know what's going to happen, fear of the unknown. And, and then on the other hand, they're not necessarily fearful, but you have those who say, what's the big deal? You know, it ain't that big a deal. Like, this is just something driven by the media. Like, this is, it ain't really that big a deal. Just wash your hands and you'll be fine. And it's kind of this tone of, of, of passiveness and kind of this tone of, of, you know, this is irrelevant to my life. And um, Living here in South Carolina, you'll probably hear that here more than any other state. Um, listen, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. We ate at that restaurant, you know, a couple years ago, and, and we're immune to it now because we ate there. Um, a lot of different jokes and, and a lot of different memes, you know. Um, listen, we as Christians, uh, we, we have to be careful with how we respond in all of this. Uh, we have to be careful with how we respond. Um, and, and the question is, is how should you respond and maybe you guessed it, but I feel like as followers of Jesus Christ that both of those responses and both of those reactions to this are, are probably not good, um, are probably not exemplary of who Jesus is. Um, you see, Jesus, Jesus was full of courage. He wasn't afraid of anything. And so for a Christian to be very fearful in this time, um, is not exemplary of who Jesus is. It's not exemplary, exemplary of who Jesus was and what Jesus says and who God says about us and the truths that we have in God. But even uh, more so than that, I don't think that Jesus would be completely uninvolved. I don't think that Jesus would be very passive in a time like this. Um, as a matter of fact, like, I, I, I think that Jesus was very intentional in the way that he ministered to the sick, in the way that Jesus was in those places with, with folks who had leprosy, and how Jesus spoke on things that were uh, happening in his day and in his culture. So Jesus would not be removed 
move. Jesus would not be uninvolved. I, I don't think that Jesus would say, oh, it's, it's no big deal. We just need to go on about our business. I just don't think that's what Jesus would do either. And so neither of those responses, either being fearful or being passive, uh, are, are things that I, I think we should respond with right now. And so I want to look to Scripture this morning, and um, I, I want to I want to look to the Bible, to God's Word, to kind of maybe provide some answers for us about how we should react and how we should go day-to-day to day about our business. Um, if you don't know this, Corona is not in the Bible, um, but we're going to look at a specific thing that did happen in the Scriptures. And what I believe, what I, gotta, what I think we're going to see is a response that is not driven out of fear and a response that's not driven out of passiveness, but, but it's kind of dead on right there in the middle um, we're going to see that from Scripture. And so um, the bottom line this morning, whether you take anything else away from this or not, the bottom line is simply this, that how the church responds to, to sickness or, or really to this pandemic, how the church responds says a lot about who Jesus is. You tracking with me? That how the church responds says a lot about who Jesus is. I don't know if you know this or not, but our world is very sensitive right now. They're very sensitive. Very open. Um, very open to, to hope. Very open to a message of peace. A lot of people just tell me what to do. Give me some relief. Give me some hope. And so I believe that from Scripture we're going to see uh, how Paul responds in a, in a moment, in a day and age. Um, he responds to a culture and shows the, the right way on how to live. So 2 Corinthians, starting in chapter 6, we're going to pick up in verse 1. So if you're there, say, I'm there. Oh, Lord, we'll try that again. Goodness. If you're there, say, I'm there. Okay, good. You can social distance from each other, but don't do that from me. Like, lock in with me. Chapter 6, starting in verse 1. Working together with him, this being Paul writing this, then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain, for he says, in a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And he's talking about, he's writing him back, and he's talking about his experience whenever he was with the church at Corinth, and how his days were there in Corinth, and how he spent his time, and how the church spent their time. Listen to this. He says that we put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance, in afflictions, in hardships, in calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, insert pandemic, insert sickness, insert chaos at your local Walmart, insert whatever it is that you're thinking there, insert it there in hunger, by purity, by knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet well-known, 
as dying, and behold, we live. As punished, and yet not killed. As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. As poor, yet making many rich. As having nothing, yet possessing everything. This is that we have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. In return, I speak to you as children, widen your hearts also. That's a lot. That's a mouthful. But Paul is really, he's speaking to this church at Corinth, and he's talking about his experiences. He's talking about his time there, that while he was with the church at Corinth, he says this. He says, one of the very first things that I need you to know is that we put no obstacles in anyone's way. Because he didn't stop people from coming to Jesus. He didn't put any barriers in front of anybody from coming to know Christ. And he knew that how he responded to certain things in his culture and and in his own personal life, how he responded would directly then put an obstacle or put a barrier for someone knowing Christ or someone coming to have a relationship with Jesus. He knew that folks were always watching. He knew that people were waiting to see how he responded in certain situations. Okay? There's cultural phenomenon going on. Paul's put in prison. Paul's beaten. Paul's slandered. There's riots out in the city. And everybody in the city who knew who Paul was knew that he said that he was a believer, knew that he was a Christian, knew that he was this strong leader who proclaimed a message of Jesus. And so whenever there's chaos going around, who do you think they look to? I look to Paul. How's he reacting? How's he responding? What's happening to him? And how he responds, how he reacts to those things could have, A, driven people further away from coming to know Jesus or could have brought people closer to Jesus. And so Paul was well aware of that. And knowing about this, he says this. He says that he responded in a way that put no obstacles in front of anyone coming to know Christ. And so he was proud of how he represented himself, proud of how uh, how he contain the message of the gospel by his lifestyle. He goes on, he says, we commend ourselves in every way. And what happened to Paul where he would have to really think about his actions? What happened to him? He says, listen, by the way that we endured, by the way that we handled affliction, by the way that we handled hardships, by the way that we handled tragedy, by the way that we handled prison, by the way that we handled beatings, by the way that we handled riots, by the way that we handled sleepless night, in all of those things, he says, we are proud of the way that we carried ourselves. We're proud. We didn't keep anybody from coming to know Jesus. And so he's proud of that. And so here today, if you and I were writing a letter to the city of Goose Creek, or you and I were writing a letter to our neighbors if we were writing a letter to our friends, if we were writing a letter to our family, could you and I write a letter to those folks just as Paul is doing here to the church at Corinth and say that we have put no obstacle in anybody's way from coming to know Christ? Could we say that with confidence? Could you and I say right now confidently 
that we commend ourselves in every way from everything that's happened over the last five days. We're proud. We can put our stamp on it. We're proud of the way that we responded in this situation. If we were to write a letter to to our Facebook friends, to our Instagram friends, to our church family, would we be able to say, you know what? Over the last five days, it's been crazy. There's been chaos. But I did not put a barrier in front of anybody coming to know Jesus. And I'm, I, I commend myself in this way. That's what Paul is saying here. Could we rightly say that we've put no barrier between anyone coming to know Christ? Could we rightly say, uh, not just in the past, but over the next coming days, that, that we have rightly that we can rightly commend ourselves in how we've handled this virus and here's some things that i think we should think through about this whole situation about how we make jesus look good in a time like this and the first one is simply this be fearless be fearless be fearless in the next couple of days be fearless some of you are tired of hearing this probably again but there are anxious people there are anxious folks out there. And this virus has come like a gut punch. It has come at a time where, um, where life is just chaos already. Life is anxious already. And so just adding something else in is just devastating. And so be fearless. This is how we send a message to our world that Jesus is good by being fearless. If we live in fear as Christians, it sends a message to the rest of the world that our God is too small, that our God doesn't care about situations like this. If we send a message of fear, then we're sending a message to the rest of the world that this life is all that we have. So be, be afraid, be chaotic, because this life is all that we have. No, that's not the message that we need to send right now. We should send a message that is one of not fear, but one that is fearless right now. God tells the people in Isaiah 41, He says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. I believe that those are the words that He would say to us today. Fear not. Fear not, because I have upholded you with my right hand, my righteous hand. I uphold you, so, so be fearless. Be fearless. Um, one of my favorite authors, his name was C.S. Lewis. You might know him from The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. He's got a, a thousand great books. and uh, He lived in a time where most of his audience was not necessarily afraid of sickness, but they lived in a time where they were mostly afraid of the atomic bomb. Um, they were afraid. Can you imagine like living in fear, constant fear, over in Great Britain and the UK, living in constant fear of the atomic bomb, living right around that time of, of World War II and, and so forth. And they constantly lived in fear of this. And one of the things that C.S. Lewis wrote to his audience, he wrote to listeners and to believers, he said this, not, again, not about corona, but about the atomic bomb. Listen to what he says concerning this. He says, this is the first point to be made and the first action to be taken is to pull ourselves together. If we're going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, let the bomb, when it comes, let it find us doing sensible and human things like praying and working and teaching and reading 
and listening to music and bathing the children and playing tennis and chatting our friends to our friends over a pint and a game of darts, not huddled together like frightened sheep and thinking about the bombs. He says, they may break our bodies. A microbe can do that, but they may not dominate our minds. I love that. Like how timely is a word like that, Um, especially um, in this day and age where he's writing this to his listeners afraid of the atomic bomb that at any moment all of their lives could have ended. And he says, you know what, it might happen, but here's the thing, we're going to live in such a way that we're not afflicted by this. We're going to choose to be fearless. We're going to carry on about our business. Now, obviously, you might have to carry on about your business in a way that is uh, isolated. You might be quarantined. We might all be quarantined in the next couple of days. But let's do this in a spirit that is, that is fearless, that's not afraid of whatever is to come. Because I want to tell you this, that the most fearful thing that can happen in this life is not sickness, it's not even death. The most fearful thing that can happen to us in this life is being separated from Jesus Christ. That's the most fearful thing that we can have. And so if you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus, you have nothing to fear. You have nothing to fear. Let's not put any obstacles in anyone's way by saying that we have reason to fear. And so the second thing, uh, that's the first thing, is is be fearless. The second thing is, is be prepared. Just be prepared. We, I know this may sound like a direct opposite of what I just said, but it's not at all. As Christians, we're called to be wise. We're called to live with wisdom. Again, there's a, there's a whole book about good sense and wisdom. Um, good sense and wisdom in a time like this says, probably shouldn't take this too lightly. Um, probably shouldn't just brush this off. Probably shouldn't just say, oh, it's just overhyped. Um, we, we do want to exercise some caution. We do want to exercise a, a little bit of preparation and live in wisdom in this day. Listen, I know that there's hysteria in certain places. There is. There's hysteria, uh, but again, it would be foolish to just brush it off completely. Um, It would be foolish. And so take good care of yourself. Um, Take good care of yourself. I I wish that I could say that I have a bunch of hand sanitizer to pass out to people. I wish that I could say that I've got um, plenty of medicines for you. I don't, um, but... Go and get those things if you need those things. Go get them. Take good care of yourself. Um, exercise. Eat good, over the, especially over the next couple of days. Um, don't be around anybody that's sick. Like just good, practical, common sense things that we could do. Um, don't, especially in times like this, we have to be really careful of how we even say things to people. Um, I don't think it's, it's in the best of interest for anybody to say, listen, you're overreacting. Um, you don't know that. <laughs> like, you don't know. You're, you, you don't know the extent of what all is about to happen. I don't think it's best for us to say things like, you're overreacting or this is not that big of a deal. The truth is we don't know. Um, and while we're fearless, um, we do want to, to exercise good patience with people and how we say things. Um, again, it might cause us to change some things. It might cause us to, to change events that we have planned for the future. It might cause us um, to, to, to change even the way that we do this on a Sunday morning basis for the next couple of weeks. And that's okay. We, we want to be prepared and, and not take this lightly. We don't 
want to put obstacles in people's way by acting indifferent towards something that's sweeping the world. We don't want to act indifferent, and we don't want people to look at the church and how the church responds in this moment, and then them look at us and say, well, God must not care about us because all the Christians are just laughing this off. Well, God must not care about sickness. God must not care about pandemics because all the Christians have just deserted and they're not even saying anything about this. And so as Christians, we just want to be prepared. And the last thing is simply this. As Paul says to the church at Corinth, he says, even though it's dicey and even though it's tough, he says that we gave you an example of how to live in a time of uncertainty. And so as Christians, we want to do this too. We want to be loving. Be loving to your neighbors, to your friends. Look at what he says. Look at what Paul says, in, starting in verse 6. He says, By purity, by knowledge, by patience, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by genuine love, by truthful speech, and the power of God, with weapons of righteousness, through honor, through praise, as being true. He says that in all of these things, even though we were in prison, even though we were beaten, even though you hated us, even though there were riots over our own existence, our, our bones were broken, even through all of that, we set an example for you by our purity, by our love, by our kindness, by all those things. And so I, I think that if God were speaking to us today, and He, and he is, he would say to us these very things that even though it's dicey, even though it's chaotic, we still as the church have to use whatever circumstances we're in as an opportunity to exemplify who Jesus is. And we have to use this as an opportunity for ministry. Are you tracking with me this morning? We need to use this as an opportunity to minister to people. We need to use this as an opportunity to check in on our neighbors. They may not have it, and that's okay. You go knock on their door and just check on them. Use this as an opportunity to check in and say, hey, I know that I've been living next door to you forever, and I know that you probably don't know much about each other, but I just want you to know this, that I, I love you and I care about you, and I, I follow Jesus, and I just really wanted to use this as an opportunity to see if you needed anything at all. Especially right now, if you have elderly, uh, elderly folks around you, listen, they're fearful. Like, this is a time to, for them to, to be afraid and to withdraw. They might be more afraid than you are. This is an opportunity to minister to those folks, to bring care and to bring concern and say, I, I'm thinking about you. I, I love you. I've been praying for you. Even if you have to do it in a way that's not face-to-face, -face, I think that this is what God would want us to do. Um, even if it's just caring for folks in a way that you would want people to care about you, caring about them and continuing, listen, continuing to, to be in relationship with other church members and your church family. Like, that's important. Um, it's especially important in times like this for us to still be generous to the church and to still come if we have it, as long as you're not sick and as long as there's nothing hindering you from stopping. It's not necessarily a time to, to withdraw from that unless you have uh, a reason to. Um, but to continue to give, continue to serve, continue to be here as long as uh, time and, and the government and God allows us to do that. Let's continue to meet together and 
I'm not even suggesting that we have PhDs. Like, I'm not saying that any of us have to be doctors and, and have to have PhDs in biology. I'm not saying that any of us can heal anybody or any of us can prescribe or anything like that. I'm not saying that, you know, if somebody's sick, make sure they go to the doctor. I'm not saying that we need to step in and minister those ways. But listen to your friends that are fearful. You need to step in and minister. And say, listen, there's there's no reason to be afraid. And our God who's in heaven, he loves us. He's going to take care of us, even in death, that we have something that's even better than life itself. It's eternity that we're going to spend with God. There's a lot of your friends this morning, a lot of your family members, a lot of your neighbors that woke up this morning afraid. And it is okay for you to reach out to them and say, don't be afraid. It's okay for you to reach out to them and say that I care for you if nobody else does. I think it's okay for us, for those of us who are healthy, if we have elderly neighbors and elderly friends, widows that live beside us, if they can't get out and get things, basic necessities, I think it's okay for us healthy and and church individuals to say, hey, we got you. We're going to cover this. Um, I'll just be honest. I'm looking for those opportunities for people in our city that are afraid, that can't get out and get basic necessities. I don't know how I'm going to help them. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm making myself available. Um, and I just say the, th- the same things about you, that, that you should do that. Make yourself open. Make your house right now a house of peace um, for those uh, that need it. And use this time, use this as an opportunity not to withdraw, not to be afraid, not to be passive, not to make all the jokes in the world, um, but to, to have your finger on the pulse of your neighborhood and say, hey, we care about you and we love you. I just want to say that um, as, your, as your pastor and Somebody who lives here in the city, listen, if you need anything at all, um, let me know. If you need anything at all, I don't care if you're infected or not, um, I love you, and, and we want to do whatever we can to help you. Um, so if you need whatever it is, if you need groceries, if you need a ride to the doctor, if you need an appointment, um, whatever it is, listen, we want to take care of you the best that we can. Um, and, and so this is a time for us all to, to draw together and um, maybe not literally get close and maybe literally not touch hands and um, give each other kisses on the cheek or anything like that, but it is a time for us to, uh, to be concerned and to be in prayer for one another. Let's pray. Father, as we come today, um, God, in unprecedented times, Lord, it calls for us to act in unprecedented ways. And uh, again, as our world is, is kind of turned upside down by this, Um, God, we don't have the answers, but we know that you do. And so we look to you this morning. We look to you as the great physician. We look to you as the one who um, can can help us even with our anxiety. Lord, over this, that's the only way that we're going to be able to to, kind of get through this is if we don't turn to our own solutions or turn to our own answers. But if we look to a God who is in control of all things, who gives us peace that surpasses all understanding, Lord, then and only then will we have peace in a time like this. And so, God, we look to you. Um, We pray that you would bring healing. We pray that you would cause this to die down Um, today. um, We ask you far beyond what we can even ask or imagine. Lord, as the time allows us, we pray that we would continue to get together as a church. 
that as the times allow us that we would continue to serve, that as the time allows us that we would continue to be generous towards Creekside Church, giving back towards to you and towards the way that you have blessed us. Give us good wisdom. Give us courage. We look to you, Jesus. We ask all this in your name. Amen.